Well, hello, Capital Beach Church Faith family. Here we are yet again for another podcast, a place that you get the chance to hear from me on all things random and creative, thoughts on culture, thoughts I would have shared maybe at last week's sermon, but alas, I ran out of time like I usually do. Glad to have you here with us listening once again. I hope you enjoyed our last week's episode with Gabe Lyons. If you have not had a chance to listen to that episode, I'd encourage you to do so. Yes, it is a bit longer. I think we went about 50 minutes or so, but the first part is a bit of an introduction about who Gabe is and what he works on, and that's important because we'll be doing some things with his organization in the coming months. But the second half really gets into the idea of why have we lost the ability to ask tough questions in culture, and why does it feel like if we want to ask questions, we're deemed power-hungry, you know, discriminatory, Um, hateful people. So I'd encourage you to check out that episode if you have not had a chance to. But if you're probably listening to this episode, you most likely have listened to that one as well. Please do us a huge favor. uh, Get the word out to the rest of our church about this podcast. Uh, We're not as concerned about people outside of our church. I mean, that'd be great, but we do this for our church family. So if you run into family members, meaning those that attend our church or our faith family members, uh, and you um, are with people at dinner or a social event, uh, bring it up. Say, hey, have you checked out the church's podcast? You should check it out. Um, watch on YouTube or listen at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, and then if they don't know how to get on, help them get on. Show them what you do with your phone. Say, hey, I go walking every day and it pops into my Spotify and I put it in my, on my AirPods and I cruise around and listen, or hey, I, you know, I play it over my Sonos sound system while I'm folding laundry, or hey, I, you know, I just listen to it while I'm driving in the car. Whatever it is, the best way to get this out for people to have as a resource would be by you, sending it out, sharing it. Uh, don't assume everyone knows how to get on it and knows how to get to it. This week, I've been thinking a lot about, <clears throat> obviously getting ready for Holy Week, uh, what Christ did at the cross, Uh, But kind of what I've been really stirred in is, I don't know, I I don't know what I'd frame it as. I think the best way to frame it would be, I've been thinking a lot about the human's lust for power, that human's desire to be in control, that human's desire to have power. And um, Edmund Burke said, the greater the power, the more dangerous the abuse. The greater the power, the more dangerous the abuse. And I think we're seeing that. Um, kind of what really tipped it off, I'm sure you had the chance to watch the Academy Awards and saw the conflict between Will Smith and Chris Rock. And I know that that has been over-talked about and beaten to a pulp. But it really struck me, um, no, <laughs> no pun intended there, <clears throat> because... What's fascinating is Chris Rock tells a joke, completely inappropriate, but, I mean, does Chris Rock ever tell an appropriate joke uh, about um, Jada Smith's hair, which we know that she's suffering from a condition which she deals with by shaving her head because that condition is causing her to lose her hair. And what's, what was so interesting to me was when he told the joke, Will Smith's initial reaction was a burst of laughter and clapping his hands at the joke. And then the next thing you know, he's getting up on stage and he's slapping Chris Rock across the face. A couple of things struck me there. First of all, uh, I thought Will Smith's slap was kind of lame. 
<laughs> it was a bit of a sucker punch. Like he walked on stage and wanted to make a spectacle. So if you notice, he's kind of got his hand by his side to not like give Chris Rock to understand he's about to slap him. Where if you're really going to go hit someone, you come up, you come up ready and start kind of like moving back ready to swing. And he kind of has his hand in his side as if like he didn't want to give Chris Rock any advantage at all. He just wanted to fully just smack him in the face and stun him right there. And I think Chris Rock even leans in thinking that Will's going to say something to him. And then, you know, Will just sucker punches him. Uh, but m- what's fascinating to me was not, is not as that's disappointing. And I think um, was horrendous for the group of people in the world in Hollywood that are so against violence to allow something like that to happen. I don't even know how Will was allowed to walk on stage. Um, but what, what, which, what, what I really left thinking about was, man, what kind of power does Jada Smith have over her husband? That's the part that really struck me because gosh, I keep using the word struck (laughs) and we're talking about a slap. No, whatever. I'm not going to change it. What was interesting to me about that was it appears that Will thinks it's funny, but then apparently he looks at his wife who must have said a lot with her eyes to make him go up there and at the expense of all the other actors in the audience, at the expense of ruining their experience, at the expense of kind of bringing the world's negativity in the Academy Awards, at the expense of all that, he did his thing because of the way she looked at him. Now, it's interesting because when you study, when you read the story of Will and Jada Smith, you'll know that it was not too many years ago where they were separated. And after being separated, um, she ended up getting into a relationship with her son's friend and had a very intimate um, relationship for four years that was, you know, sexual, emotional, the whole deal for four years. And then Will and Jada decided to come out about that story live on her podcast in which she just said her response to why she did it was, I just want to feel good. And essentially she felt that their relationship was struggling and look at how great their relationship is because Will was able to stick with her even though she went through that process and he stuck with his wife while she cheated on him for four years so she could do what she needed to do to eventually come back to him. And they pitched it as it's like, this is the the picture of what you know relationships should be. And I'm like, bull crap, bull crap. Let me tell you why Will stayed. Will stayed because he's got some weird wife worship of Jada Smith. And we know that when you worship something, you give that thing power over you. And he's got, you know, it's framed in love and marriage, and but it would appear that it's love, marriage, but then he's also got maybe this like, like idol worship of his wife in some way that she would have the power over him to go do whatever she wanted, to come back to him, and then even in this situation that he would risk his whole career or, of course, Will's done a lot of great things, so you don't want this slap heard around the world to be the sum of his career, but he would risk his reputation. I mean, to do something so astonishing, he would do that just because of the way she looked at him. In a sense, I wonder if like, she looked at him like, you know, I, in her eyes, it was like this, you know, I left you because you never stood up for me. Or, you know, in her eyes, it was this, I left you because, you know, I never felt like you were really the man you needed to be. And so I went and hooked up with our son's friend because he was more of a man than you were. I don't know what it was, but in his, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think it's some kind of weird worship of his wife. Now, don't get this weird. I'm not talking about like, 
you know, cultic worship. I just mean that like he pedestals her so hardcore and like worships her that the power she had over him caused him to literally get emotional and risk his reputation that he has built that has been a solidly positive reputation for so many years that he was willing to risk it all because of his worship of her and then ultimately the power he's given her over his life. I don't know. Power is weird. Power, our lust for it is weird. When people have it over us, it gets weird. There's a documentary that just came out on Discovery Plus, which is a new, it's there, it's Discovery Channel's new web streaming platform. And on Discovery Plus, they um, sadly uh, announced their release of their streaming service alongside a uh, a, docu- a mini a documentary miniseries that you'd only could find on Discovery Plus, and that documentary miniseries was on the scandals behind Hillsong Church. I don't know if you've had the chance to see this. It's a three-part documentary. It goes in depth into the Carl Lentz scenario. Carl Lentz was um, kind of Brian Houston, who's one of the founders of um, Hillsong Church in Australia. I guess. I'm a, I think you, I think Brian would be the founder alongside his father. Um, they had Brian had sent um, Carl Lentz to New York to plant Hillsong, New York City, which became like the celebrity church. You might have heard about the big downfall. He had an affair with a woman, and then it kind of revealed all the abuse that had been going on there, and the the, the inappropriate use of funds and the inappropriate relationships. And then, of course, because of that, Hillsong became under a big microscope again. And they started digging into the different campuses. And in the last two weeks, a lot of these Hillsong campuses have been pulling away from Hillsong now. I actually have a friend. He and his wife started Hillsong Atlanta. And he came on Instagram around the time that the documentary series came out and announced they will no longer be a Hillsong. Once the facts were revealed from this documentary, they didn't want to be associated with Hillsong anymore. And essentially, Hillsong is kind of falling down right now. And it's... To be fair, the documentary is totally biased, and you can always find some church member that'll say the nastiest things about anybody. And there's only like four or five of those members that are just saying stuff. And and you could see it both ways, you know. They, um, no, the victims of the abuse. I'm not saying that at all. That that's not legitimate. All those things are legitimate. What I mean is that some of the other nitpicking stuff that they get into as far as like the language of like this reaching the seven areas of society and bringing God's kingdom and kind of the evangelical talk, they definitely, Discovery plays on that as manipulation and control. And ultimately what they're trying to pitch is Hillsong has a, a lust for power over people. And the way they've gained power over people is by creating essentially cold play Christian songs that make humans feel good that want to sing, which then in turn makes them feel a sense like God's real, and then people want to give more money to them. And then they haven't been transparent with their funds as they broke down the details of it. There's different LLCs and they're not nonprofits. And you know, if you were to search Brian Houston, he's worth, you know, $25 million or something like that. And they're saying, well, is that the church? Is that what the church is supposed to be? Now, again, neither here nor there. Hillsong is definitely anointed in their worship. They have been a long time, even since the days of Darlene Chick. Um, Hillsong, like any church, is made up of broken people that do really jacked up stuff that they, those people need to be called out. Victims need to be able to come forward. Be, you know, justice needs to be served. One of those things, you know, was 
seems like the cover up that happened with Brian Houston's father who was abusing young boys. Um, the documentary brings out that there was more than six of those young men at the time. That stuff needs to come out. There's no place for that. Jesus can forgive you, but bro, you're done. You're done. I'm sorry. If you're walking in any form of abuse like that, you're done. Not to Jesus. Jesus loves you, accepts you, will believe in you, wants to form you, shape you, mold you into who you need to be. There's ne- Grace never runs out. Mercy never runs out. But I'm sorry. Far be it for me. You will never stand in a position of spiritual leadership over someone's life when you've been dealing with pedophilia and, 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 and abusing your power. Like, and just, I don't know. I just, I think there's something that happens where if you abuse people in that way, uh, of course, you are never beyond the reach of God's grace, mercy, and love and acceptance, but there should be limitations on what you could do in the leading of people um, for the being the example, the leading of people towards Jesus in the sense of like having a position in an organization and representing that group of people. But again, Discovery Plus, you know, drama for your mama. They're gonna they're gonna dig it up. They're gonna go. They're gonna get crazy about it, and they're gonna make it about you know trying to tear Hillsong down. And I think, I mean, I think the jury's out. We're gonna see. But but ultimately, what I thought and what I took away from it was, I was trying to think through what was like the the, the kind of, what's the theme that the, that Hillsong was dealing with, and I think it's a theme that everyone deals with. It's a lust for power, more money more power, more leadership, more influence, more control. And, you know, I wonder sometimes what Jesus is going to say to us as church leaders when we get to heaven and he looks at us and goes, you know, what did you, what were you building? Why did you have these buildings? And why did only you ever stand in the stage? And who did you think you were? You know, I, I wonder. I mean, we're all trying to be obedient to what God's asking us to do, but we have built a cultural incorporated church in the West that would seem to fit our culture, and that's why we do it, but definitely don't do it because it's the model we see in the New Testament. Not that the model we see in the New Testament is what every church needs to do either. I think it's about taking the principles of church appropriate to the culture in and in Western cultures, we have a schedule where Sunday is a day off. Traditionally people go to church on that day. It is easier to create a setting for people to come together in an air conditioned room and hear from the word of God and have places to drop their kids off. So couples can sit together in peace and quiet and look at those things. Like I, I, I think that none of that stuff is biblical in a sense, but none of it's either, none of it's bad either, but it does get bad when, People lust for power and want to leverage it for more power over other people because ultimately what you worship, you give power over your life. What you worship, you give power over your life. It's really, a, I think, a principle of humanity. We, we were all designed to worship God, and we know that. Like that's, We were designed to, to, to function in bringing glory to God in everything we did. And... The purpose of this week coming up and the focus of what Christ did was he brought us back in relationship with God so that we could actually worship him with pure hearts because of what Jesus did. And Jesus' purpose in that was that so you could have God's power in your life, that God could have power over you. And the best way for humans to flourish is to worship God so God has power over us. But unfortunately, humans like to worship a bunch of other stuff that we have power over us instead. We like to worship our kids. 
as parents, we, 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 we want to create flourishing for our kids, but there's always a point we have to toe the line of we don't want to worship our kids because when we worship them, they get spoiled and they begin to have power over our lives. We don't want to worship our money because then we never have enough of it. And as we need more money, like we talked about before and a couple of weeks ago in the series with Christ's concept of money, we eventually give it power over our lives. We will worship our spouses or our girlfriends or someone that we need. And that person begins to have power over our life because as we what we worship, we give power to. We worship our job. We worship our social status. We worship our seemingly significant. I mean, there's so many things that we worship. I mean, in this essentially it's idolatry, isn't it? And when you give yourself to these idols, these you give these idols power over your life. And that power is never good because that power is never pure. That power is never, never desires your human benefit. That power always desires that, per, that person's or that thing's benefit instead. And so that's why all through scripture, it's all about the authority of God, the power of God, that, that you can now have his power in your life when you give, when you worship him and you give him power over your life. That the beautiful thing about God is that when you worship him and give him power over your life, he's actually the only one that has a desire for you to flourish without any personal gain of his own. While everything else wants power over you for their own gain. I mean, gosh, look what we're seeing happen in Russia and Ukraine right now. I mean, this is like a terrible scenario that is not going away it would appear to be anytime soon. And essentially, what is it? It's a power play. It's wanting more power. It would appear to be that Putin, in the back of his mind, has a general idea of what he thinks is rightfully his as, as Russia or not. He is fall, He worships the vision of more power, and that has so much power over him, he's not even able to see the fact, or maybe he is seeing it, the fact that he's literally going to ruin his own country to expand his own borders. I mean, it's so backwards. The goal of Ukraine would be to make it better, right? But instead, because of what he's doing, the sanctions coming down, he's making it very difficult for Russians within Russia. I'm sure you've heard the stories. Uh, he's made it very difficult for Russians anywhere in the world right now because of what he's doing. And essentially, this isn't Russia's war, it's Putin's war. But what does it all come down to? It's a lust for power. So power is a, is a, is a, is a, is a, a twisted little knife that when it gets stuck in your side, you know, you don't maybe don't realize it at first, but it could literally take you out. And I think that's what we saw with a lot of this COVID stuff. I think that's what we're seeing a lot of the slow backing off some of this COVID stuff because essentially it's not about safety. It's maybe more about, well, there's a bit of power. There's a bit of ownership. Um, um, there's people that have found significance in being able to express power other people over people and um, in their insecurities it's you know they've wanted that and now they don't want to let go of that. The lust for power is a pretty gross thing and I think many of us assume that the lust for power is reserved for famous, rich and significant, governmental type leadership type people. But I think when you look at scripture, all through scripture, it would appear that every human being has to deal with power in some category. And ultimately it comes down to what has the most power in your life? What has the most power in my life? What has the most power to make me do things out of character? What has the most power to 
drive me to anxiety and panic, what has the most power to make me depressed. And honestly, whatever has that power only has that power because I've given it that power. So what would it look like to spend more time worshiping God less than those other things? Well, I'd actually give him more power of my life. And he says the power that he then has over my life is a power that then he puts in my life to give me the ability to flourish as a true human being. Because like we've been talking about, following Jesus and worshiping Jesus is the better way to be human. Lust for power, something to be thinking about, something I've been thinking about a lot, something I've been trying to be conscious of in my life to not to check myself before I wreck myself uh, when it comes to my marriage, when it comes to my kids. Why am I being impatient with them? Well, is it because I they're, they're threatening my power over their life? Why am I being, um, you know, to contr- controlling of different things in our how our family life is structured is because I feel like I'm I'm losing control. You know, if ultimately my worship is truly in God, shouldn't I be free to be the most gracious, loving, patient person? Because none of that stuff has power over my life; only God does. And so now I can show up free from everything around me having power over me, and then I can truly, in that freedom, be able to bless things around me because I'm not looking to gain more power. Because ultimately, I only worship God. Something to think about. Not a sermon I was trying to plan to give. Sorry if I got too sermony on you in this podcast. But it's just something I've been dwelling on and contemplating. The human lust for power and how because of Jesus and what he did in this coming week, we can be free from that lust of power. Well, I bless you, our Capo Beach Church podrishners, our Capo Beach Church faith family. May you step into uh, this coming Holy Week in grace and mercy, in joy. May you be reminded of what Christ has done for you. And may you receive a new power from God to live freely in that way because you've chosen to worship him above other things. Bless you all. Have a great rest of your week.